Our God is truly good. If you believe that, let me hear you say amen. 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 This morning, I invite you to turn to our opening text in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And we're going through a study of God's word, um, not only to feed you, but to teach you how to study and to get into the word. You know, every time in, a, in history there was a revival in the church and Reformation, you know what caused that revival and Reformation? is when the people studied the Word of God. Amen? And do you want a revival here in the Honokar Church? Amen? Amen? So we need to get into the Word of God. So I invite you to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And the sermon entitled this morning, and the handout now is going to be ins- inserted into the bulletin, which is easier. And so if you would like a handout, if everyone can get their own bulletin, so you can actually follow along in the sermon. And we're going through some quotes together and studying together. The sermon is entitled, Our God is in control. Our God is in control. Have you ever went through suffering and wondered why you were suffering? Have you ever gone through hard times and found no answers to your questions? Have you ever asked the questions, the famous three words, why, God, why? You ever asked that before? See, the ultimate question that many atheists today, they have asked, this is the question why many people are atheists today and they don't believe in God. This is the main question they ask. And this is the question they always ask. They always ask, if there is a God, then why doesn't he stop all of the suffering that's in this world and the pain? Right? If you as Christians really believe in God, then why is there all this pain and suffering and hardship and hurt that's going on? The abuse, the rapes, the child molestations, the murders, right? What, what, if there's really a God, then why is all this thing happening within this world? Is that not, that's a good question, actually, right? Is that not true? That's a good question. So they ask a question, question to Christians, and Christians very rarely can give a good biblical answer. Now, there's actually a, a quote I want to show you. Now, think about it. First of all, as a parent, now, I have a daughter, six years old. If I saw someone abusing or trying to abuse my daughter, right? Wouldn't, I would intervene. Wouldn't you intervene with your own children, right? Wouldn't you? Now, think about this. Now, God's up in heaven, and his children on his earth, and he's seen another ch- child, inter- child abusing another child on this earth, another child of God, another person abusing another person, then why, if he's really there, we're his, his, his children, then why doesn't God intervene. Are you following me? Are you following what I'm, where I'm going, right? Is that not true? I mean, any good parent, God is good, if any good parent would actually, would actually intervene and do something and stop the abuse, the child abuse, many children, though had prayed, still were abused. Did you know that, right? So with all of this abuse, is not the atheist asking the right questions? Beloved, amen? Are these not good questions as even Christians that do we even have a good answer for? So you look at your handout here. This is from Epicurus, a Greek philosopher. He asked a question, he, and this is a good question in your handout. It says, either God can stop suffering and will not, in, ca- in which case he is evil. I mean, he can stop the suffering, right? But he will not do it. He won't intervene. 
Or the other option is, he says, God wants to, but he cannot prevent suffering, and thus is impotent. He's a weakling. Would he, in either of these two cases, deserve our worship? Is that not a good question, right? Makes you wonder. Does he deserve our worship? In other words, you only worship what you appreciate. Is this the type of God that we can actually appreciate in this world, that we can actually love? Here's a God that either he, he can stop it, but he doesn't, or he wants to, but he cannot. I would like to suggest there's another alternative that's not looked at, and that's found in the Word of God. You see, God has a divine purpose in what happens. And we're going to look at who's really at fault in this whole mess on this earth. So this morning, as we look at the great controversy that's taking place on this earth, may we see clearly a God we can truly love. Let us pray. Father, as your word is open, help us to understand clearly your word and to be humble before it. It is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, is God's will always done on this earth? Is God's will done on this earth? Amen? Yes? How many believe God's will is always done on this earth? Let me see your hands. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Notice what the Bible says. Remember that prayer, the Lord's Prayer? How many you pray the Lord's Prayer? Let me see your hands. Okay, the Bible says, After this manner, therefore pray you, Our Father, what? Start in heaven. Hallowed what? You know this one, right? Thy kingdom come, what? Where? As where? Okay, you know that, okay. So the parents here that Jesus said to pray is that God's will is not being done on this earth until the kingdom comes. And then it will be done as it is in heaven. In other words, why is Jesus asking us to pray the prayer that God's will would be done on this earth as it is in heaven if it was already being done on this earth. Are you following me? Why did the prayer say, okay, I want you to pray that your will, God's will, would be done on this earth as God's will is always done in heaven? Why do you ask us to pray that prayer if God's will is always being done on this earth all the time? Are you following me, right? In other words, God is asking us, but Jesus is saying in this prayer that he wants you to pray that we will pray and pray that God's will will be done on this earth as it is being done with the angels and who are serving God up in heaven. If that's clear, let me say amen. Amen? So in other words, God's will is not always being done here on this earth. Is that true? Do you see that? Look at another text here. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. That's after Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. What is it that God, what is God's will? 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. Know what the Bible says. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is patient, long-suffering to us. Notice what the Bible says. Not what? Willing. Willing. It's not God's will that how many? Any should what? Perish. Perish. 
But that how many? All is what? 99%? 98%? What? 100% should come to what? So it is God's world, not willing. So it is God's world that no one should be lost, right? That's God's will. And that all should be drawn to repentance. So all should be saved. Are you following me? So it is God's will, according to this Bible text, that no one should be lost and everyone should be saved. Now my question is, will this happen in the future where every single person that ever lived be saved and where no one who ever lived, where no one will ever be lost? Will this, is this going to happen? So from this text, right, but is it God's will that it happened? But from this text, can you see that what God wills and what actually happens doesn't always happen? Are you following me? Amen? Doesn't always happen. Why is it that God's will doesn't always happen here in this earth? Good question, huh? We studied it earlier. We studied the last few sermons ago, free will, right? Psalms 115, 16. Psalms 115, verse 16. Now, God, Jesus asks us to pray, your will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. God's will is not done. Then he, then he says that his, his will is that all will be saved and not, none will be lost, but yet it's revealed that God's word is not always done. But why is God's word not always done on this earth? Psalms 115, verse 16. Know what the Bible says? Psalms 115, verse 16. The Bible says, The heavens, even the heavens, the heaven, even the heavens, are who? The Lord's. The Lord's. Jehovah's. It's the Lord's. God rules supreme up there. He owns everything. Everything runs. The angels obey 100% the will of God up in heaven. All the fallen worlds obey 100% the will of God up there and all the, all the unfallen worlds. But, the Bible says, 16, the earth has been given to who? Children of men. In other words, it's given to you and me. The reason why God's will has not always been done here on this earth is because this earth has been given to us to choose as to what we want to choose to do. Is that not true? Amen? In other words, the reason why God's will has not always been done on this earth is because we have the power to choose not to do God's will. Is that not true? Amen? Do you see that? Do we not have the power to choose? If I decide in one hour that I want to lie, is God going to force me against my free will to stop me from lying? Even though, does God will for me to sin? No. Does God want me to lie? Is it God's will that I lie? No. But can I go against God's will? Is that possible? Can I lie? Can I steal? Is it God's will that I don't steal? It's not God's will, but I can go against His will. I can steal. I can lie because I had the free will to choose to sin or not to sin, right? Because this earth has been given to us and we were allowed to choose because of our own free will. And beloved, it is for this very reason that there is so much pain and suffering here on this earth. It is our free wills that have chosen to sin and to sin 
and to sin. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? Okay, let's go to the next text. In spite of all these things, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, who is it that rules in the kingdom of men? Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Now, though the earth is given to us and we are allowed to choose and have our own free will, where does God play in this whole big picture? Can he do nothing? Is it like a deism, like neo-deism? They say, well, God's way out there and he's watching that he can do absolutely nothing. What is this? Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Notice what it says in Daniel about what God is able to do. The Bible says, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High, or God, what does it say? Rules in the kingdom of men and gives to whomsoever he will and set up over it the basis of men. In other words, Though the earth has been given to us, though we have the free will to choose to sin or not to sin, God still is in charge and in control of the ultimate outcome of this world, beloved. You believe what I'm saying? Let me say amen. Amen? The ultimate, no matter what chaos is going on, no matter what trials and hardships and suffering and pain that is going on in this world, God is still the one that oversees and is in charge of this world and makes sure that in the end, it's all going to work out for the good. What happened after Daniel fasted and prayed? Let's look at an example. Daniel chapter 10, the same book, verse, chapter 10, verse 12. Let's look at the Bible in the same, same book, chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. What hap happened after Daniel fasted and prayed for three weeks? Notice the Bible says. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. Notice what it says here. Daniel's fasting... And praying for three weeks, and the angel Gabriel came to him. And then he said unto me, Gabriel said to Daniel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were heard and come for your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me and remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, let me tell you what happened. You remember King Cyrus? God raised him up in the Bible. He was prophesied in the Bible. And Daniel showed him in the Bible, look, King Cyrus, your name is in the Bible, that you make a decree that God's people, the Jews, will go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And so Daniel went to the king and told him that. And so the king made a decree that God's people, the Jews, can go back to Jerusalem and rebuild Jerusalem because Jerusalem was destroyed by the enemies. So he did this, but when he did that decree, only a few of the Jews went back to Israel to rebuild Jerusalem. So King Cyrus was discouraged that only a few, and he was questioning and wondering, am I really called by God to actually, was raised by God to do this thing or not? So Daniel started praying to learn about future prophecies, number one, and number two, to actually impress upon Cyrus that he was called by God to send more decrees to fulfill the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And then it says here in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, King Cyrus, withstood me, Gabriel said, 21 days, but Michael, which is Jesus, one of the chief princes, came to help me and remained there with the kingdom. So Jesus himself came on day 21 to help impress upon the mind 
of King Cyrus, his calling to God. What was it that hindered Cyrus from obeying God's word? Could God force Cyrus to do what he wanted him to do? He couldn't. Cyrus had a free will. He couldn't force him against his own will to do what God wanted him to do. He could only impress him. And that's why it took so long. Can you imagine what it would be like if on day number 20, Daniel would have given up hope and stopped praying? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Have you been prayed for something and you're praying and nothing happens? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever prayed one day and you felt that's it and you just gave up? Have you ever prayed two days straight, three days, praying about a certain subject? Number four, number five, six, seven. Have that happened to you? Eight, nine, and maybe number 10, 11. Have you ever prayed for 20 days and maybe on day number 20, you totally gave up praying and a thing never happened? Have that ever happened to you? You know, Daniel had stopped on day number 20. Did you know that his prayer was answered on what day? Day number what? 21. If he had given up praying for that one specific thing on day number 20, he would have never seen the fulfillment of his prayers. Do we sometimes stop too soon in our request to our God? Do we sometimes give up too fast when we feel that things are not happening, therefore I'm going to stop praying? Has that ever happened to you? Am I the only one in this church, beloved? Am I the only one that happened to me? Is anyone out there, beloved? Amen? Do we sometimes lose a blessing because we give up too soon? Daniel did not give up too soon. In other words, not only was Gabriel involved, but God himself is involved in the affairs of this world. He is limited in this sense. He cannot force you against your own free will. He cannot force you. And number two, he cannot force his will upon you also, but he can impress, he can woo, he can draw, he can love you to respond to his movement of the Holy Spirit upon your heart this morning, beloved. Amen? What a God we serve. You believe when I'm saying he's a good God, let me say amen. amen. Amen? What a wonderful God we serve. He's a merciful God. Outside the limits of our free will, God is fully able and capable to intervene in the affairs of men. God is involved in the affairs of men. He's not away somewhere and not involved. Though the chaotic scene that you see out there in this world and the pain and suffering, God is heavily involved within this world. Now, what does God do with the evil that is done? Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know this text, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. What does God do with the evil that is done in this world? Notice the Bible says, And we know that how many things? All things. Good things that happen to you and bad things that happen to you. Work together for bad. Is that what it says? For what? For good. Right? You're keeping me on my toes. For good. So all the things that happen, bad things that happen to you, good things that happen to you, work out for your good, but it's conditional. To them that what? Love God. Not only love God, if you love me, you will what? You'll be obedient. Servant hearts. Obedient hearts. Those who love and obey God, God will work all things out for good. In other words, God takes all the bad things that ever happens to us and turns it around for a benefit time and time again, but conditional. Only if 
You love God here this morning. Do you see the importance of loving God this morning? Amen? There are many promises out there. You know, God blesses, we learn, God sends the son on the good and evil, right? So in other words, he blesses the good and evil as we learned before. But there's a special blessing that every single thing that ever happens to you, whether it's good or whether it's bad, God, if you love God, it will happen, it will turn out for your good, but only if you love God this morning. And I love God, how about you? Amen? I want to serve him. I want to be obedient to him. How about you this morning? Now let's look at another example. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. What did Joseph say to his brothers? Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. Joseph's dad had died. His father had died. And the brothers were scared. Remember they mistreated him? They were scared that he's going to retaliate upon them and get revenge. And so in verse 19, Joseph said to his brothers, Fear not, for I am the place of God. Am I God? But as for you, my brothers, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto what? Good. To bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. You know the story of Joseph, the trials, he was sold into slavery. He was actually falsely accused, went to prison, and then he stayed in that prison for many years, and people, he actually deciphered a dream, and they still forgot about him, totally mistreated, and he was very much tempted to doubt God, to doubt his love. And yet all these things that happened, he's seen the hand of God in the end that he raised him to second in power next to Pharaoh. And he realized that God allowed the evil to come into his life. You meant it for my bad, my evil against me, but God took this evil and he turned it around because he's in control and he allowed this evil to take his place to turn it actually for not only my good, but for the saving of a whole nation, beloved. What a God we serve, amen? Our God is certainly in control of what's going on in this world. Now, what was it that brought pain and suffering to this world? Turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 in your Bibles. What brings pain and suffering? The Bible says, but the wages of sin is what? Death. Death brings pain and suffering and all this sin. So we have pain and suffering now. But before there was sin, was there pain and suffering? No. Before sin, there was no... In Adam and Eve, before they sinned, was there pain and suffering in the Garden of Eden? No. But now there's pain and suffering, right? So what about in the future? Turn into Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 21. I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. What about in the future? The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there's no more sea. So this is a new heaven and new earth. And verse 4, And in this new heaven and new earth, God shall wipe away how many tears? All tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more what? Death, neither sorrow, no cry, neither there shall be any more what? Pain. For the former things are passed away. In other words, in the, in the new heaven, is there going to be death and suffering and pain anymore? No. So if you look at your handout. In the Garden of Eden, 
there was no pain and suffering. But now there's pain and suffering for the last 6,000 years. But in the future new heaven and earth, there's not going to be any pain and suffering. In other words, in God's original plan, and in God's future backup plan, there is no place for any pain and suffering. So my question is, who is then responsible for all the pain and suffering that we've experienced in the last 6,000 years? Is it God? And is it just an abstract name called sin that's doing everything on its own apart from us? Who is responsible for all this? Satan and this evil being, it wasn't me, the devil made me do it, not me at all. Is it just Satan on the side doing everything on his own? Who's responsible? Ultimately. Who's doing all the evil? Satan? We're doing it, aren't we? Who is ultimately responsible for the suffering and the pain and the death and the killing and the rapes and every child molestation? Who's ultimately responsible for what's really going on in this world? It's you and me, isn't it? We are responsible. And we can play the blame game as an Adam blamed the woman and a woman blamed the serpent. But aren't we responsible for everything that goes on in this world? Turn to Job chapter 1, verse 6. <clears throat> God's not to blame for the sin and suffering in this world. Then besides us, who else is? Job chapter 1, verse 6 in your Bibles. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Six. before Psalms we're going to read a story about Job and what happened read several verses the Bible says here in verse 6 this is the story of Job now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them and the Lord saw the representatives of all the worlds came together in a council up in heaven and Satan came. What, what planet did he represent? Verse 7 And the Lord said unto Satan, Where are you coming from? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the, where? Earth. He's a representative that usurped the power of Jesus on this earth. And from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and hates evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have ye not made a hedge around him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? Have ye blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land? But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. In other words, God was saying, Here's a faithful servant that serves me because not on the outside, but look at his heart. He's serving me because he loves me from the heart. You follow me? His motivation is love. And she said, no, no, no. He's not serving you because he loves you. The only reason he's serving you is because you're blessing him. He's looking for a hope of reward, of being saved for eternity, and also you bless him with, with lands and riches and money and and beautiful children and flocks and herds with nice cars and everything. That's why he's serving you. You're blessing him. And so he's looking at what he can get out of it. Not because he loves you from the inside, but what the material possessions he can get. That's why he's serving you. Or he's afraid of being punished by boils or whatever. That's why he's serving you. 
God said in verse 12 unto Satan, Behold, okay, Satan, allow your theory to be worked out. All that he has is in your power. Only upon himself, don't touch him. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And notice what happened. And there was a day, one day, notice what Satan can do. One day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the axes feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. They have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell you. Calamity happened. While he was yet speaking, while the same time the words was coming out of his mouth, notice what happens. There came also another and said, The fire of God is falling. Lightning or a big fire came. From heaven it has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell you. Notice the calamities that are happening. Seven, while he was yet, 17, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away. Yea, I have sl and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell you. Number three, number four. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the elder's brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind, a hurricane from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead and I only escape alone to tell you. Once God gave permission to Satan, notice how quickly things happen. In other words, Satan is able to manipulate nature to do what he wanted to do almost immediately. Amen? You see that? Look at your handout here. Let me read this handout. Actually, I don't have your handout. I'm reading here. It says, in the Great Controversy, page 589, Satan works through the elements also to garner his harvest of unprepared souls. He has studied the secrets of the laboratories of nature. And he uses all his power to control the elements as far as God allows. When he was suffered to afflict Job, how quickly flocks and herds, servants, houses, children were swept away, one trouble succeeding another as in a moment. Satan can manipulate the nature. He can create the hurricanes. He can create the tornadoes. He can make things happen. He can make the tsunami, the earthquakes, the lava flows, the eruptions. He can create it if allowed to. Notice what happened next in verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked I will return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now, the Bible says that God put a hedge around Job and his house and all that he had. In other words, God had complete protection of his servant. But it's because Satan had challenged God that God allowed Satan to work out his theory, right? I want you to notice that before Satan could touch Job, he had to get specific permission from God first. Amen? You follow me? But it's conditional. Look at your handout here. 
Great Controversy, 1888, 5.12, on your handout. It says here, a guardian angel is appointed to how many? Every. Is that 99%? 98%? Every single person who loves God truly from the heart and follows him, God appoints an angel to protect that person from all harm. There's nothing that ever happens to a follower of God in which doesn't go through the counsels of God first, and God allows it for some purpose of good within your life, beloved. Amen? These heavenly watchers shield the righteous from the power of the wicked one. The, this Satan himself recognized. He, Satan knows this when he, when he said, Does Job fear God for naught? Had you not made a hedge about him in Job, right? And about his house and all that he has on every side? That's why Satan had to ask permission in Job, in the Bible says, in order to do anything he, anything he wanted to do, even to cut him or whatever it is, he has to get specific, explicit permission from God in order to do anything to God's people. What a God we serve. Amen? But I also want you to notice what Satan does also to people who do not follow him. Look at the last quote. Satan has control of all, how much? 99%? All whom God does not especially what? Guard. Now we know that those who are guarded with the guardian angel are only those who follow God. In other words, those who don't love and truly love God and serve God and not just profess they love God, but by their actions are revealing that they really love God and obeying Him and serving Him according to the Word, right? Is that true? And all those who are not doing that, knows what happens. Satan has control over all of them. The rest of the world, or even professed Christians who come to church, who do not love God and follow Him and obey Him, Satan, he, Satan, will favor and prosper some in order to further his own designs. In other words, he's going to bless them. He's going to make them wealthy. He's going to make them have a lot of money, comfortable. Do sometimes we think that if God's blessing me, then I'm automatically on God's side? Do people think that sometimes? Do people think that, you know, if, I, if things are going well, I don't have trials, I don't have hardships, and you know, I'm actually doing well financially, then I must be spiritually right with God. Could that be deceiving today? Could we mistake temporal prosperity as being you being converted to God? Is that possible in today's church? I have a good degree, I have a good job, I make a lot of money. Is that, is that truly the conditions that reveal that you have been saved? Not only that, he will favor and prosper some in order to defer to his own designs. Satan will, will prosper you. And he will bring trouble upon others. He'll bring hardships upon you. And sometimes do we think that I'm going to hardship because I'm faithful to God? Could that be possible also? I'm going to this because, you know, I'm faithful to God. Could it be that maybe we created our own problems in our own families and homes? Listen to this. And lead men to believe that it is God who is afflicting them. Now, do we get tempted with that? Do we get tempted that we think that it is, 
it is actually God who's afflicting. Why God? Why? Is it God who's really afflicting us? Or is it actually Satan that's creating all the harm and the pain and the suffering in this world? It's definitely Satan, as we've seen from the Word of God this morning. Today we may have many questions as to why things haven't turned out the way we had wanted them to. But in the end, God was sure to us that something happened to us in a particular situation. We will understand dimly only for now, but in the future we're going to clearly see why things had happened. God will win in the end, but it will not be because he had used force and control. God will win because he will have used love, beloved. Amen? We can trust in a God who rules the world and is involved in what we do. We can trust in a God who sees the sparrows fall and is concerned about their little birds out there. We can trust in a God who intervenes many times on our behalf, even though we may not even know it. We can trust and love this type of God. We can love a God, and God, beloved, this morning, God is not to blame for the pain and the suffering that we see in this world, beloved. Amen? In the great controversy, we see the true picture. Yes, our own free wills are doing it, but it's Satan is only people and our own decisions that have brought the suffering and the pain and the tears and the sorrow that exists in this world. And God is not to blame and not to believe the lies of Satan that God is a cruel and an unjust God. Our God is good this morning. And you believe what I'm saying? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? Never escape from our lips that God is a cruel and a mean God. Never should it be said as a Christian that God is the one that's doing all these things to punish me. God is allowing it, yes. But he's allowing it for the purpose to turn the thing what Satan did around for your good, beloved. What a God we serve, amen? There is a strange act the Bible says that the wicked will be destroyed, but God's presence is in the future. But it's a strange act, the Bible says. But God loves and does everything possible to save you and me. What a God we serve. And because of this love that I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ, how about you? If you'd like for Jesus to take control of your life, then would you make a commitment to God by raising a hand with me this morning? I want to serve him because I love him with all of my heart. How about you? Amen? Amen. In fact, I want to sing of Jesus' love this morning. Amen? How about you? I want to sing of his love. 183.